Let us beat our plowshares into swords and our pruning hooks into spears. So an ancient Near Eastern battle cry had it. Let us beat our plowshares into swords and let us beat our pruning hooks into spears. Sounds backwards to us, doesn't it? Well, such, I believe, is a good place for us to begin our focus this morning on the prophet Micah. Here, that is, with the order and the arrangement of this Near Eastern ancient battle cry and with an acknowledgement that because of Micah and because of his contemporary Isaiah, this battle cry sounds backwards to our own ears. For Micah, you see was a staunch advocate of a full-on reversal of things. A full-on reversal of all things. And thus, in a world full of violence and enmity, in a world full of anger and hatred and war and strife, in such a world, Micah claims that we should turn our battle cries inside out. Let us beat our swords into plowshares. He therefore says, let us beat our spears into pruning hooks. A grand reversal of things, indeed. A late 8th century prophet from southern Israel, Micah was prophesying about 50 years after Amos and Hosea, the two prophets whom we have thus far focused on in our Lenten series. And whereas Amos's chief preoccupation as a prophet was with the ways in which sin was being made manifest through economic exploitation, and whereas Hosea's chief preoccupation was with the ways in which sin was being made manifest through the general faithlessness of the Israelite people, Micah's chief preoccupation was with the ways in which sin was being made manifest through the violent nature of the corrupted human heart. Which leads me back to something that I said two weeks ago, to something that I said last week, and to something that I will say each week during this sermon series which is that in the ancient Jewish imagination, sin was not just something bad or wicked or cruel or unjust. Sin was all of these things, of course. But in the Jewish imagination, the reason such things were wrong was because they were a direct violation of shalom an intentional disturbance of the way things are supposed to be, a blight on the very good nature of creation itself. There is a way things are supposed to be, the ancient Jews believed. And so sin in their conception of things is the reality that causes things to go so wildly off course. The thing 
that causes all sorts of fractures and cleavages and distortions of shalom. One day, the ancient prophets believed one grand glorious day, God will restore all things to their original design, with shalom once more filling the earth as the waters cover the seas. But until that day, the prophets thundered, anything that disturbs this coming reality is the very essence of sin. Which leads me now to a word on Peter's misplaced act of loyalty and love in John chapter 18. Here in this passage, with the temple police brandishing weapons and threatening violence against Jesus and his disciples, we see here the religious authorities as they begin trying to arrest Jesus. At which point Peter, Peter who, mind you, has been following Jesus for three years now and who has therefore not only heard Jesus talk about nonviolence, but who has in fact seen Jesus day in and day out model nonviolence. Here in this moment, Peter grabs a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the officers. Well, Jesus then, immediately rebuking Peter for what he has just done, tells Peter sharply to sheathe his sword, saying that violence such as this has no part in his peaceable kingdom. Now, this is a harrowing scene for many reasons. But what I want us to key in on most closely this morning is how harrowing Jesus' condemnation is of Peter and of what Peter has just done in effort to protect Jesus. This is what is wrong with humanity, Jesus is in effect saying to Peter here. Not just the barbarism and the injustice of what is happening to me by these guards, but so too, Peter, your immediate impulse to return like with like. It's all symptomatic of the brokenness of things, Jesus is in effect saying. For all such violence, he is saying, is evidence of how sin has so fully marred the divine design for things. The point being, when Jesus castigates Peter here, it's not that Jesus has failed to appreciate what Peter is trying to do for him. And it's not that Jesus is so simple that he thinks that nonviolence will somehow be a more winning strategy for getting him soon released or for bringing about kingdom purposes any faster. No, instead, Jesus castigates Peter here for a far deeper and far more profound reason than any of this. Jesus castigates Peter here because though Peter's act of violence is ostensibly performed out of love and loyalty, Peter is in fact only further perpetuating the human bent toward violence and only further demonstrating the warped condition of human nature itself. Do you follow? Yes, the point here is this. 
that despite the horror and the injustice of all that is happening to Jesus in this scene, nonetheless, Peter's retaliatory strike, just like all other violence-based disruptions of Shalom, no matter how seemingly warranted or justified, this is but another instance of things on earth being contrary to the way things are supposed to be. leading us back now, 800 years from Jesus, back to Micah. All those years ago, Micah saw the depth of human brokenness for what it really is. Yes, Micah saw not only how Judah's leaders were using the threat of violence to prop up and sustain the incorruptions of popular society, which they were, But likewise, Micah also saw how the brokenness and the division of Judah's people would soon enough result in the society itself being violently overthrown from without, which it soon enough was. What's more, Micah saw with a keen eye how the violent nature underwriting all of these things was endemic to all of humanity, to both powerful and powerless alike, and that no matter the cause and no matter the agent, violence itself was and is always antithetical to shalom, to the way things are supposed to be. Yes, Micah saw clearly how violence only begets more violence and how all violence, physical, verbal, spiritual, emotional, how all violence builds inevitably at compound interest. Micah saw all that clear-eyed. And so Micah called it out. The violent impulse at the core of the human heart, Micah called it out. And this, we must understand all these years later, this got Micah ostracized from his community and got him in hot water with the Judean leaders. But alas, Micah was right. Just as Jesus, 800 years after Micah, was also right. For both of these prophets saw and both exposed in prophetic fashion how all violence is a distortion of shalom and how all violence, no matter the reason, therefore has no place within God's very good creation. Well, all these years later, so far removed from the days of both Micah and Jesus, And still such denunciations of violence are often met with ire and condemnation. For the majority of us hear such denunciations as being soft or naive, as being idealistic or in some instances as even being unpatriotic. But to respond in such a way to denunciations of human violence is to miss the larger point such prophets are trying to make. For it's not as if Micah or Jesus or anyone who takes up the cause of denouncing human violence is saying that nonviolence will eventually result in universal peace and utopia. Remember, Jesus was executed, and Peter after him was executed. 
Just as Micah the prophet himself was ultimately executed by the Judean king. So no, it's not softness or idealism that inspires prophets such as these to challenge a propensity that is so deeply entrenched in the human heart and that therefore elicits from us such a visceral reaction when challenged and or called out. No, instead what inspires prophets such as these to speak out is a vital belief on their part in the vision of what God has in store for the redemption of all things. It's a vital and sincere belief they hold that shalom really is the divine design for all of creation. And thus, it's a staunch commitment on their part to try to live now in light of that coming reality. Trusting that if this is how God will have it to be then, that it is therefore how we ought all to be trying to live our lives now. For in the days to come, Micah thunders, we will beat our swords into plowshares and we will turn our spears into pruning hooks. For a great reversal is indeed coming, Micah is saying. And so in advance of that great reversal, let us try to reorder all we possibly can now in the here and now brokenness of things. If we remember nothing further from this Lenten series, dear family, let it be this. That all the Hebrew prophets believed that this great reversal was indeed coming. Just as we all these years later do well to still believe that such a great reversal is indeed coming. For soon and very soon, dear family, the day of the Lord is coming. And on that day, all of our violent impulses and all of the violence that sits at the core of the sinful human heart will be judged for the aberration and for the abomination that it is. And thus, in an era of violence far greater and far more diffuse than ever it was back then, will we be among those who, with anger and malice in our hearts, continue to beat our plowshares into swords? Or will we be among those who, like Micah and Jesus, attempt to reverse the human course and begin to beat our swords into plowshares? Yes, will we be among those who in the name of enmity and hatred and strife use violence of all forms to subdue and or abet a corrupt status quo? Or will we be among those who in the name of love and hope and faithfulness sheathe our swords and bid others to do the same? In a sinful and broken world such as this, dear family, this is a hard question to answer. And it is a question whose answer can sometimes come at great cost to ourselves. So let us think carefully. How much do we really believe in the divine intent and in the future coming of God's reign of shalom? Such the ancient prophet Micah asks us all these years later to consider. And such will the way that we live out our lives, one way or the other, serve to be our final answers. To which all God's people said, Amen. And I will now